Welcome to The Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB Pro figure athlete turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. Welcome to The Fulfillment Project. I'm your host today, Sarah Fennell, and I'm excited to introduce you to Nardia Norman. She's the recipient of the Australian Fitness Network Personal Trainer of the Year Award in 2014. She has over 17 years of experience personal training and educating fitness professionals. Recently, her passion has really come into empowering female fitness entrepreneurs so they can really build a profitable, meaningful career in the fitness industry. In the show today, we talk about really owning your self-worth so that you can step into what you really want to create in the world. We talk about old school marketing versus new school marketing and the power of presenting and being in front of your audience. Let's get to the show. Hi, Nardio. Welcome to The Fulfillment Project. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me on. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. And now it's morning for you now, isn't it? It is. It's 6.15 in the morning, uh, but it is all good. <laughs> I've had my coffee. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I'm looking at about 3.15 in the afternoon here in Canada. So, Are you in Canada? Yeah, yeah. We yeah, live just great. outside of Toronto in Canada. So, yeah. Okay, I know awesome. we, we met in San Francisco in the fall. Mm-hmm. Had a dinner together, got to catch up a little bit and get to know you. But I would love for you to take me back. And, you know, you've been in the fitness industry for about 17 years now, you said. Where did that all start? Oh, my gosh. I'm an accidental fitness person. Um, <laughs> so growing up, I always played competitive field hockey. And I was really good at it. And I got to the point where I was about to go to university or, or college. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I naturally was drawn to my degree, which was in physical education and sports science. And so I went there and pursued my competitive hockey career. Um, and then I... I found a gym. I'm like, what is this thing called a game? <laughs> what is this? And I walked in there and um, I actually got a personal trainer who um, actually trained me for a few years because at that point in time, I was my goal was to hit the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. So I was really focused on that. And I got a trainer to help me get there. And um, one day she said, hey, you'd make a really great trainer. Have you thought about this? And I was like, all right, let's let's think about this. And it was interesting because that summer, during the summer break, I was supposed to go to Canada snowboarding. And then, I don't know, something something just said to me, why don't you stay and do your PT thing um, and get your certificate that was there at the time and let's just see where this goes. And that was, that was 17 years ago and here I am. I'd never thought that I would be in the industry this many years later. I honestly thought it was kind of a flash in the pan thing, something to do to fill in time. Um, until I got a better job, but here I am, still mm. in it, still loving it, and actually having a really um, fortunate, blessed, and successful career as a result. Mm. Now, with starting into that career, did you work for a studio or a big box gym, or where did you start working to start gaining clients? Yeah, so back at home, there's a gym chain called Les Mills World of Fitness. You might be familiar with it with some of the Group X classes such as Body Pump, RPM, Body Jam, all of that. So prior to them launching all their classes, they were actually a brick-and-mortar gym. And I came in at a time where um, New Zealand was probably one of the first countries in the world to formulate an actual personal training um, model. So the model that is typically run in Australia and New Zealand was created there. So it was a rent system. So basically right from the very get-go at 22 years of age, I started a business where I had to pay rent in order to get my clients. Um, and that's just been a very familiar model that I've worked with over the, over the time. And so, yeah, it was what you'd consider a big box gym. And so the typical things had to happen. I had to learn how to walk that floor. I started out as a gym instructor, actually. I had to learn how to walk the floor, how to approach people, how to convert leads into paying clients. And you've got to remember, this was back in the day when personal training was considered a luxury. Like it was, the market wasn't familiar with it. 
it was something that only apparently rich people did. So we were kind of leading the way of having to train the market in what personal training, what the personal training product actually was. Yeah, and so um, since then I've been fortunate. I've worked pretty much in every single business model you can think of. So I've done small boutique studios under a rent system. I've done a percentage system. I've been an employed PT. Um, I've done outdoor training and running my own businesses outdoors. I've also worked for big global gyms such as Fitness First over here where I've become a, um, a personal training manager. So I've managed massive teams of personal trainers. I was managing one of the biggest PT teams in Australia at one point in time. Um, and so I used to look after all the satellite clubs as well. So my job there was to help recruit, train, and help trainers build their businesses within these really highly competitive environments. So yeah, I've kind of done it all <laughs> as far as understanding the PT product within the different systems. Mm. And and what kept you in this profession for for so long now? Like, what 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 do you love about it? What draws you to it? Oh my gosh, it's such a great question. First of all, the vibe. I, you know, I, I think we are so fortunate to be around like-minded individuals who obviously value health and wellness. Now, of course, this isn't to happen for everyone, but I've been so lucky that the PT teams. And by the way, I, I must make a, a caveat here. When I say PT, I know that over in North America and America, that means physical therapist. Here in Australia and New Zealand, PT makes reference to personal trainer. We, so we, please, st- we do still call it PT. They're, there's kind of the, the inter- they're a little bit of the inter- interchangeable, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, so I, I, I refer to it as being PT. So um, where was I going with that? What was I saying then? Why you love the industry. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've been very fortunate to have these amazing teams of people around me that um, when you walk into the club and you start to train somebody, there's just such a cool vibe. It's energetic. It's everyone's on this, I don't know, different playing field, I think. And it was really highlighted to me when um, when I was working in Sydney. I worked at one of the top clubs in Sydney, which is Sydney CBD, and I had very high-end executive clients and these guys would come in and I'd look at them and they were at the top of their game. They earned gazillions of dollars and yet they're tired, they're stressed, they had low energy and I was like, I never want to be like that. And here I am so fortunate because I get to come and play every single day. And then closely related to that is just the connection that you create with your clients and having the impact that you can have on other people's lives. Like that really drives me. It actually makes me feel quite fulfilled to know that I can have a positive impact on somebody's life and not even just the the client that you're working with, but there's a trickle on effect. If you positively affect one of your clients and the chances are very high that they'll also have a positive effect on their family or their friends. So as a trainer, I think we're in this beautiful position where we're creating these amazing ripple effects of change across people's lives. So I think those are the two main reasons. And then the third one, there is so much diversity in our industry, right? Um, You know, when I first started personal training, and some of your listeners might resonate with this, you know, you kind of get so excited. There's so much to learn, and you you learn all you can about fat loss, and then all you can about hypertrophy, and then strength training. Um, There's just so much scope within the industry to keep developing your skills, uh, to keep diving into different areas. And here's the thing, as you know, the more you know in our industry, the more you realize you don't know. Oh, 100%. <laughs> right? So there's just so much scope of diversity and variety. So I honestly feel like you as a trainer can actually change with your market the longer you stay in the industry. And you also get to have constant or many evolutions of yourself as a person within the same industry. And I think that's cool. Mm, definitely. And I've definitely noticed an evolution of myself with my clients, with my knowledge as well. Is there any totally. particular uh, uh, niche or area of the scope of health and fitness that you really put yourself into? Right now, this current evolution of Nadia, (laughs) I am really, really focused on empowering female fitness professionals. So for the majority of my career, it's always been about the client. Um, And I've always typically worked with high-achieving A-type personality clients. Is that you? (laughs) Does like attract like? (laughs) 
Hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like attracts like, right? <laughs> um, but in, the, in recent years, and I, I must say that basically since I started personal training, I always fell into education. Like I always have trained trainers right from the get-go. I've educated trainers. It's a joy for me to teach. Um, and over here in Australia, I teach a lot of the Certificate 3, Certificate 4 in personal training, and I also present internationally. So um, the teaching component has always been there for me. And it was only last year that I stopped to realize and really start to question why are we not seeing more amazing female trainers in the industry, right? You know, it, we've got to say it is a very male-dominated industry mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just hearing lots of stories from other personal trainers who are like, look, I'm leaving the industry because my business isn't working. I'm feeling frustrated because my business can't grow and I've got to try and wrangle the kids at the same time. I had so many female trainers say to me, Nads, I don't feel like I'm worthy of being in the industry because I don't look like a trainer. I'm like, what does that even mean? And so late last year I switched. I was like, right, that's it. I want to be that person who can help lift and support female trainers so that we bring more of them into the industry. Mm. So I guess from a health and wellness perspective, what that encompasses is really on helping females feel more confident in their abilities, um, help them overcome limiting beliefs they may hold about themselves and their business, um, help them to identify goals and how to be seen and be heard in the industry. Mm. So let's say someone is struggling to grow their business or they're not making the money that they want. What are the, would you say would be the top three areas of their business that you would have a look at first? The first place I start is their mindset, Mm. right? Your income and impact cannot outgrow your mindset. And I say this to the guys, right? To run a successful business is 20% strategy and 80% mindset. 100%. And I think, Yeah, I think that comes from Anthony Robbins. He talks about this a lot. So if your business is stuck and you can't grow it, piling more strategy on top of something is not going to help. The first place you need to start is you. Turn the mirror inwards. Where are you blocking your growth? Like why are you blocking your growth? How are you not showing up in a way that tells the world that you are worthy of running a successful business? And I know that this might sound a little bit airy-fairy and esoteric for some people, but the reality is this, how you think, how you manifest, how you show up is directly related to how your business works. So that's number one. I start there. Once we start to peel back people's layers, so let me give you a really classic example, right? So we know that in today's age, you, if you want to build a brand, you're going to have to get yourself out onto social media, whether that's in the form of blogging, Instagramming, anything, right? You know, the more content you add, the more value you create, the more like, know, and trust you create. But a lot of the women I'm currently working with are so scared to put a, a message out there because they're worried about what other people will think. They're too scared to voice their own opinion. Perhaps some of them are actually too scared to even say an opinion because they're not sure what their opinion is. So we've spent a lot of time digging under the layers and going, hey, you know what? What is your opinion? Like, what really makes you angry? What are you really passionate about? Like, how can we get you so confident that you can type down a message saying, hey, this is what I believe in? Because when women, and I'll just refer to women because it's obviously what I'm working with at the moment, but when people start to have that confidence in their voice and understanding what their truth is, then they can get that out there, which in turn has a positive effect on business growth. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different examples where that shows up. Yeah. And it, it's hard to, they don't want to step out because they don't have the confidence, but the confidence won't grow unless they do step out. They step out. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's catch 22. Yeah. It's that crazy confidence, competence loop yes. cycle. And that's something that we, we work on a lot is take a baby step, do something that kind of takes you a little bit outside the comfort zone, get comfortable with that. And then you take another step and then your confidence grows and so forth. Yeah. So did I answer your question? Yes. Yes. I said yeah. I said the top, <laughs> I was asking the, if someone is struggling to grow their business yeah. and not make the money they want, what are the top three things that you would start to look at? So you said mindset is number one. I'll say mindset. And then closely related to that is confidence. Um, two, I'm going to say is surround yourself with an amazing team of people, not necessarily people who are working for you, but you have to be in the right environment. 
I mean, your environment is everything. Who is it? Um, Jim Rohn says, you know, you are the sum of the five people that you hang out with. Well, yes, but also look at the environment. Are you in an environment that's conducive for business growth? Because if you're not, then it doesn't matter how much strategy you throw at it, it's not going to grow. So environment is number two. And then the third piece there is find the most effective pieces of strategy. Yes. Right. So I think in, in, in our current environment, we are inundated with information, go online. Everyone's a business coach. Everyone has got something to, to sell to you, to help you improve your business. You have to practice discernment. And by that, I mean, you need to practice going, getting very disciplined around, okay, from a strategy perspective, I'm going to spend this much time, energy, effort, and focus on lead building. And you stay there (laughs) until it's done. Don't get distracted by shiny objects that are flying at you. And then, you know, you spend time learning about your lead pages or learning about how to write better. And then that's how you move your business forward. Mm -hmm. I love that we're in an age where information is out there. I mean, we can learn anything, whether you go to Google or YouTube. I think Joe and I learned how to fix our dishwasher one time through YouTube. Like, (laughs) Like the information is there. And it's great when you can utilize it most effectively, like what you said. So I love that you said that. I just, I get frustrated and Joe and I do, and I'm sure you do as well with your clients. People have pieces of things, pieces of strategy, they have tools, and it's not a whole uh, system that's working together. And, you know, Mm. it's like, well, I got the opt-in page and I'm building an email list, but you're not driving traffic into that email list. Uh, I got the sales page, but there's no traffic going into that sales page. It's, it's a, it's a system. It's a machine and everything has to be working together. Totally. So I, I talk, I have three business wheels that we talk about and it's basically attract, achieve, um, apply. So all the attraction strategies, there's three pieces within that, and then there's the actual sales component, and then there's the actual application execution of your skills. And I think too many trainers spend the majority of the time and effort on such a small piece, gaining more technical knowledge, Mm. learning how to become a better strength and conditioning coach. I mean, look, yes, it's nice. Honestly, though, how many strength and conditioning courses do you really need to do for your market? (laughs) I think the majority of time, energy and effort needs to come back, as you said, understanding how to run a business, understanding how to create a powerful brand, understanding how to stand out in a sea of same. That's what grows your business. So yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And that, that also comes back to that, that confidence aspect you were talking about. A lot of people feel they don't know enough in order to, oh. to put themselves out there or to be able to help someone. So they grab another certification, another certification, and another certification is not going to make you more money. Another certification no. is not going to bring in the clients. <laughs> Definitely not. And I'll, I'll put my hand up. I fell into that. Mm-hmm. You know, for I am probably one of the most qualified persons I know when it comes to technical courses. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my education. And when I think about it, it was all driven from this limiting belief that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. The, the courses never filled that gap for me. And, and not surprisingly, my business didn't grow because I was limiting it um, so much. Mm-hmm. And when as soon as I switched, I went, hey, hang on a minute. <laughs> Stop dealing with this stuff. They really start to dive into what's going on here, Nadia. Like my entire business just flourished because I got over that I'm not enoughness. Mm -hmm. And I found, and I don't know if this is the case for you, I found that when working with a lot of women trainers that I'm not enoughness is is underlying a lot of their decisions. I I feel I feel like that's women as a whole, whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to, you know date that cute boy, whether it's trying to grow a business. For some reason, women, we lack this not enough. And mm-hmm. you know, this is why I love talking to inspired women like yourself and, and connecting powerhouses together because I feel as women, we, we beat ourselves down so much and it just okay. feeds into the, this not enough, this lack of self-worth. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I think, you know, that might be a really great red flag. If you're a trainer and you're listening to this and you're, you've got this whole, well, I can't teach a deadlift until I've gone and done my level four strength and conditioning course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just go, hang on a minute. Is that the truth? Right. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're feeling in yourself that I can't do this with a client, well, let's just really challenge that assumption. Really? Because at the day, at the end of the day, the majority of your clientele are everyday people. Yes. Right. And that's what you know more. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and we don't want to discredit education whatsoever, but, and this is where it comes back to is who are you working with? You're usually not working with pro athletes or those, those <laughs> high, high performing athletes. These are everyday people who just want to move, look and feel better. Totally. 100%. So let's give it to them. Mm-hmm. Like meet mm-hmm. your clients where they are at and then you focus on the other elements of your world, your business that are going to grow it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So you, before we started recording here, you mentioned that you're going into a rebrand and, you know, really stepping into helping female fitness entrepreneurs. What goes through your thought process with branding? Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's a whole, there's a whole list of things. Um, I think the first, the two key things I really think about is getting super clear on, um, my why, why, why am I wanting to come down to this particular niche? Why, why this demographic? So in my case right now, I'm just stepping into really empowering female fitness professionals. So getting clear on my why and what my vision is for this intention or for this brand. Um, then the second part there is getting very clear on the key messages that I want to get out there. Like what do I want these women to know So there's obviously parallels between what I'm saying here for my branding, working with female trainers, and for any trainer who's also wanting to build a brand to attract certain clients. Um, So I think you need to know what your key messages are, and in a way, can you convey those messages in a way that is unique to you, right? So I know that a lot of trainers get caught up in their branding because they're like, oh, my God, everyone's talking about fat loss. Well, yeah, can you come up with a way that is – is, is a sexier way to talk about fat loss. Can you come up with a way that's really super unique to your own personality and the way that you say it? Because you will say it very differently to how Joe Blow next door is going to say or talk about fat loss. So coming up with some key messages that are unique to you are really important. And then the, the fourth key part here is really diving into the head of my avatar, my client, and understanding like, what are they struggling with? Like, what are their major pain points? What do they need the most help in? How can I help solve that problem for them? Um, and, and I think the more you understand your client, the more it is about them. Mm. And I think that's the whole point of, of branding is, um, well, my opinion is that the more of you you put into your brand and the more clear you are with your message, your vibe will attract the right tribe. Definitely. And that's the whole point of branding is to set you apart from, from everybody else. I like to call branding. It's your business's own uh, outfit style. You know, we all, we all dress differently. We all have that, that different vibe that we show up as. And it's great when we can build a personal brand because it can be an extension of, of who you are. And, you know, whether you're selling fat loss or strength training, whatever that is, you just need to spin it a different way. I think now more than ever, with we, we have a change in the PT landscape where, you know, semi-private or face-to-face personal training isn't the only option to us now. We can do hybrid training. We can go online, as you, as you know, and you've done. So in order to do that, you have to have a strong brand. Mm-hmm. I said this before. You have to stand out in a sea of same. Yeah. And here's the thing. I think trainers need to understand this. Standing out through your body is no longer standing out. So if you scroll through Instagram, right, you know, back in the day, four or five years ago, seeing women or men with no tops on and posing um, was kind of like a shock to the feet. You're like, whoa, what is this? Everyone's doing it now. Every fitness professional is doing it. So it's almost the same, same. Yep. I can totally relate to that. I I started my business on the rise of Facebook and and built oh, wow. from from social media. So and I want to get into talking about like old school marketing because I know you're way before my time. <laughs> but that's exactly what I did. I was in the fitness world and I was doing photo shoots and posting photos of my body, you know, in a way to to attract females in a classy way. Yeah. But it that doesn't work anymore. It's because everybody is doing it. The, the market is almost numb to it. Or, you know, they'll still give likes and comments, but I'd be really interested to see how many likes are then being monetized. How many of those are going across into an email list? Yes. How many of them are becoming converting clients? So we have to, trainers now need to be smart and really just stand out. And I think, know who you are. 
know what your message is and stand by it. Does that mean it's permanent? No, you're probably going to have a reiteration of yourself in a brand every few years. Oh yeah. If not less. (laughs) (laughs) You photo showed new fonts. It's been so funny. And I'm sure you have this too, just over the years of looking back and the evolution. And I believe you use that word at the very beginning of this. It's because as you grow, your business grows. It just, it, it has to and I mean, if you're not growing, obviously your business probably isn't growing either. So it's, it's been this evolution and, and how we started. You look back, you're like, oh God, people paid me for that. I, know. <laughs> I think it was Anthony Robbins again, who said something along the lines of, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you've waited too long or something like that. Yeah. I'm the same, like, oh, I cringe at what I did back in the day. Yeah. Oh, well. Are you a health and fitness professional who's looking to utilize Instagram to attract new clients into your programs and services? Maybe you have no idea how to show up online and get people excited about your brand. Or perhaps you've had some success in the past, but it's just not working anymore. Here's the deal. Instagram has changed a lot over the years. And as someone myself who relies on social media and organic marketing for my brand, I've really had to pay attention to what's been going on on this platform. Because if I'm showing up on Instagram every day and you're showing up on Instagram every day, we want to ensure that our efforts for building a client list are met. You feel me? Which is why I've created InstaClients. It's a free three-part video series to teach you how to talk to your ideal client so they see you as a coach or trainer for them, my three-step process for getting clients, and the four types of posts that you should be using every single week. This course is to teach you how to convert your following. You don't need more followers if you can't convert the ones you already have, right? So just go to www.insta-clients.com to get in on this awesome strategy plan that you can start implementing right away. I'm so excited to have you in this training. You can grab the link from the show notes as well. Or again, it's insta-clients.com. It's so funny. So let's let's talk about back in the day. You know, you started about 17 years ago. You said this was pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram. Yeah. What were the marketing tactics back then to get clients? Oh my God. Hilarious. Okay. So this was my Nadia Norman firm favorite. So back in the day, if you go into a gym, they would hold everyone's program cards and little filing systems. Do you remember that? So the members would come in and they would get their program out of the old school metal filing system. And then they'll take their little business card around with them, their card and away they go. So I used to make handmade cards with with personalized messages and stick them in every single filing cabinet, every single file for each member. Now, that took me forever. (laughs) So (laughs) that was one of my things, and I used to convert highly off that. So I relied back in the day um, very much on my emotional connection to people. Uh I was never a very good typical salesperson. Um, I wasn't confident in myself to sell in, in a, a very typical hard sell fashion because that's what we were taught. So back then we relied on old school sales tactics, which was just you come in hard, you present, you don't let them off the hook until you've got them signing on the dotted line. And it never sat well with me. So I just relied a lot on my emotional connections, such as doing handmade messages and cards. Um, I remember making up, flyers at the library at university and then printing out like six, no, eight, eight per (laughs) photocopy onto a piece of A4 paper, hand cutting them out and doing drop boxes. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I did so many drop boxes. Um, And it still amazes me that some people still do drop boxes today, but I would walk the streets around the gym, just dropping my flyer into people's letter boxes it was crazy. Um, and then the third approach I had, um, was just cold calling. So going through, I would pull out all the files of people who hadn't been in attendance and I'd just call them. Mm. Hey, do you want to come back in? Should we reignite your training? Is there anything I can do to help you come back in? So it was really, there was a lot of work involved in trying to generate new clients because that was the only way we could do it. Yes. And now, you know, with, that Facebook started to come up and what was that, what was that shift like seeing from, from your perspective with, with all those old school methods and then seeing this new technology come in? It was really interesting. I mean, I think for me, I had a little bit of resistance to it and 
It's because I didn't understand it. I, I didn't understand the power that Facebook could have that Instagram. I mean, I resisted Instagram for ages because I was like, how's this going to work? In fact, I resisted Facebook for two years. I joined in two, 2007. I joined, but I was like, what is this thing? Why would anyone want to know about my life? <laughs> um, so I would say that unfortunately because of my resistance to something that I didn't know, I wasn't an early adopter. And I think now in hindsight, looking back, that kind of shot me in the foot a little bit. Had I been more open to that technology, I probably would have jumped on that earlier and I'd probably be in a little bit of a different position right now. But that, I mean, that's okay. That's a beautiful learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably the most interesting thing I've noticed is looking at how people have used social media well and then how people have used it poorly and looking at the reactions between the two. Mm-hmm. So if someone is trying to use social media's traction to build a following and get you know their avatar or the ideal client in, what are some top pieces of advice that you would give to someone? Hmm. I think the first one is it comes back to knowing who you are. Like, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you're looking at this, everything that we put onto social media and into the webs is a digital footprint. So is the stuff that you're putting out there valuable? Is it meaningful? Um, And if you were to look back on this in 10 years, yes, you might be a little bit embarrassed, but can you still stand by and say, hey, yeah, at that time, I really believed in that, right? So so having conviction in yourself and just being authentic. I think the word authenticity is thrown around a lot these days. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, We're talking about transparency marketing now being kind of like the thing. And if you're not familiar with what that means, it really means just showing people the behind the gloss being transparent about your life. And the idea is that that helps you with authenticity. But if you're trying to be authentic, then you're not being authentic. <laughs> if, you have, if you have to try to be real, then you're not being real. So it's all about knowing who you are, what you stand for, and what you want to say, and just practice doing that every single day. I think consistency is the key. Shop on a platform, whatever you choose to use, every single day, minimum. Some people, marketers will say, like, you need to be on there six times a day, yada, yada, yada. But I'm kind of, look, just do what you can well consistently. If you've only got time to do it once a day, just do it once a day. That's okay. But be consistent with that. Choose a platform that you are really good at. Focus on that first and then switch. Because what I find is if you're, you're trying to focus on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's a lot to handle. <laughs> And, and your sanity goes, right? And it pulls you away from doing the other things that you need to be doing in your business. So find the one that you can do very well, focus on that. And once that's built up, then move to another one. Um, I, I think be very mindful of the types of posts you're putting out there. Um, you know, be think about your avatar. Like what do they want to see? So pretty much I have a rule when posting. It's, you know, is this going to educate them? Is this going to inspire them? Is this going to cause them to think slightly differently? Um, is it a good laugh? And am, am I adding value to their life? Mm-hmm. And if it's a no in any of those, then I'm not going to post it because it's just a piece of shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that's the biggest thing. If people are like, no one wants to follow me or my following isn't growing. Well, no one's just going to follow you for you. Like as human beings, we're very selfish creatures. We just are. So if someone's yeah. going to follow you, you need to be adding something to their life. They have to be getting something out of it. Yeah, it's value. People need to know, like, and trust you. And they know that because or they, they gain that when you keep putting out amazing content. Mm-hmm. I think the third thing I'd say here is try not to be a regurgitation on somebody else's voice. I know, like, when I first started coming and dabbling in this online space, it was so easy for me to look to people that I was inspired by and look at, I looked at how they wrote. I looked at the content they were putting out. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try and mimic that. But the thing is, it will never get traction because it's not you. Mm-hmm. That so, goes yeah, back to be, that authenticity piece as yeah. well, right? Yeah, totally. So be inspired by other people. Look to other people's work to see how you can improve your own, but put your entire voice in behind it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to also see the the evolution of social media in itself. Yeah. And wow. 
like yeah. what you were saying, you know, you used to, if you could post body photos that got attraction, that was new. Uh, now people want, you know, they don't want the Photoshop, the edited stuff. We want to see the transparency. We want to see the authenticity of people's lives and everybody is selling something online. It's, it's nothing new oh. to see people marketing a service. There's so much noise mm-hmm. out there. So again, how can you hack the system? I don't like that word hack, but how can you cut through? Mm-hmm. How can you cut through this noise? I interviewed someone the other day and she said something that was absolutely brilliant when we're talking about social media followings and talking about how certain people will use their body to build their brand. And we all feel it. We all can look at somebody on Instagram and feel instant inauthenticity. Like we don't connect with them. But she said like the rule that she sticks to is the intention of when she's posting, am I saying to my followers, come with me, like come with me on my journey? Or am I saying to my followers, look at me? Mm. I thought this is beautiful. So if you're posting things with the intention of getting looked at because you need external validation or you want the likes or the hearts, we all do to a certain extent. But if your self-worth is hinging off people liking your stuff, then I would suggest that that's not going to build your business. Or if it does, it's going to be very fragile. Mm-hmm. There's a way of positioning yeah. yourself to be an influencer or just a look at me look show. At me. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's beautiful. If you're posting stuff with the intention of, hey, you're, you, you're not where I'm at in my journey, but how about you come with me on my journey? Mm-hmm. How, about, how, how about you start yours and we do this together? Now that right there is powerful. That's connection. That's community. And I think the smart people are the ones who are building these amazing tribes and this community of people that feel like they're together. They belong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some ways to, to build that tribe and that community through the online space? So I think, again, once you know your message, your vibe will attract your tribe. Um, and that's why, in saying it too, be, be prepared for people not to like you. Mm. And that's Okay. Right. You want to have that. Yeah. If there's people who are against your message, it means that you stand for something. Totally. Yes. Totally. And not everybody and needs, needs to be on yeah. your tribe. <laughs> and I know that's really hard for a lot of us to understand because we all want to be liked and included. But, you know, once you start to realize that you're, if your messaging is divisive, people either love you or they don't necessarily like you. Great. You are really getting clear on your niche market and you only want to talk to and provide value to the people who are in your tribe. Right. That makes sense. Cultivate those people. And so when you've got this tribe coming in, then I suggest moving them into a Facebook group off your page, like get them into a group so you can nurture that group every single day. And that means showing up, going in there, posting, um, facilitating um, engagement, either running challenges or giving them special offers into your programs. You just treat them like friends. I mean, that's my approach. I just treat them like mates. Mm-hmm. can all the people on my Facebook page, do I want to go out and have a wine with them? Chances are very high. Yes. <laughs> Could I socialize with them? Yes, because they're awesome people. And so I kind of fostered that within the group setting. And then the key there is to get them from that group and ideally get an email off them if you can, so that you've got them. Cause I think this is something that is important to understand. We don't own Facebook or Instagram. You can have a gazillion likes or followers, but you don't, they're not yours. Love, love, love that you hit home (laughs) with that. It's rented space. And if Facebook or Instagram goes down tomorrow, how are you going to run your business if you're solely dependent on that? And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people rely on just their social media as their marketing to grow that following, but with algorithms changing so much as well. Quick. Yeah. Probably 75% of your following doesn't even see what you're posting unless you're keeping up with the algorithm uh, posting strategies. And that's hard work. I mean, I can't keep up. It's a lot. (laughs) I'm like, I have no idea what's going on over here. So hence, get them into a group or better yet, get them into your email list where you can really cultivate them over from your email provider and that service. Mm -hmm. I kind of think about, um, if you think about a, 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 what do you call it? A darts board. So you've got the bullseye, you've got all these rings outside of it. So people on Facebook, Instagram land are just kind of on those outer rings. And the idea is to try and pull people through those rings until they get to your inner circle. Mm. And your inner circle is your email list. And that is where you 
figuratively whining them and dining them and adding value um, and dating them because you want them to convert. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love that analogy. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you're solely an online business now, correct? Yes. Other than when I'm doing presenting, but yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you and, is it your husband? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. You've just been traveling the last little while. I believe when we met in San Francisco, you were heading somewhere, somewhere south after that. What uh, was that whole traveling and, and working experience like? And how long were you, uh, quote unquote, on the road for? Yeah. So we, um, we left Australia on the 1st of May. We're from New Zealand originally. So we went back to New Zealand. We got married. And um, I said to Mike, I'm like, look, why don't we, we didn't have a honeymoon, but I'm like, why don't we just start our entire adventure on an adventure. Um, our key value as a married couple is adventure. So I was like, let's just try this. It was also a test to see whether our businesses were robust enough to be able to handle us traveling in different time zones. So we did New Zealand for a little bit, which was easy because it was only like a two hour difference and we were just kind of easing in. But then we threw ourselves into Cambodia, which <laughs> which was interesting. Um, and then we also had to do the States. We had to do Mexico. We did Vancouver as well. So we learned a lot probably the hardest thing for both of us to wrap our heads around was the time zone differences. So from a strategy perspective, we kept all of our coaching clients on the local time zone. So we adjusted no matter where we were, which means sometimes getting up at three or four o'clock in the morning to run coaching calls or group calls um, or doing them late at night. And so we just had to adjust the rest of our day to suit that. Could we do that better next time? Absolutely but it was just what we had to do. Um, another big learning curve was always back up your computer. <laughs> oh no. I, I feel yeah, like this is a story. I, I, my entire computer crashed, um, like completely white. And I'd luckily I had some of it backed up. I didn't have all of it backed up. So that was a really big lesson for me. Um, carry multiple hard drives, wherever you go, have everything in the cloud. <laughs> so it's instantly downloadable. But again, that was a really big lesson that I I had to learn. And then I think the third part there is because Mike and I, we live together. We run similar businesses. We are around each other 24-7. I see his face all day long. I love him. (laughs) I do. Um, (laughs) But there comes times where you need to have some separation. So when traveling, we had to put some strategies in place around our schedule going, right, I need some space. This is how it's going to look. Um, cause I'm such a, I need a lot of, I require a lot of space in our relationship. And so it was just a matter of managing that and identifying when I needed that space because I, you know, I'd start to get annoyed or triggered and then I'd lunge at him and I'm like, it's not about him. It's about you, Nadia. So having discipline around recognizing our triggers was really, really important. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting when you run a business with your significant other or, or similar businesses, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's uh, obviously there's conflicts in every relationship and then you throw business and work schedules in there and it's, it's a whole other, it's a whole other ball game. That's for sure. It takes it to the next level. I, I think it definitely does. <laughs> Joe is uh, Joe and I, we worked, we run business together. We have to make those decisions together. We s- spend every day with each other and yeah. he's the extrovert and I'm the introvert and really learning your different personality styles, right? I mean, you can be oh, yeah. doing the same thing, but you're not the same person. Mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's, it's cool. I think it's really cool that in today's age that we can do this. Oh yeah. I mean, this was not even a possibility for me when I started, like it did this, what we're doing right now, it did not exist. Mm-hmm. And that blows my mind. And so I, I, I say to a lot of trainers now, don't think that you're limited to just being in the gym. Like, yeah, sure. Go in there and learn your craft as a trainer, right? Spend years, working with bodies and getting hands on, but don't think you have to be stuck there. And this is what I love online, the online space. You know, there's a lot of old school trainers who are like, bah humbug online or never, you know, online is not good as face to face and all that kind of jazz. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. When you're chasing freedom, it is <laughs> when you're chasing impact, it is because you can have a far greater impact online than you can face-to-face because you can reach greater numbers of people. Um, the other thing to consider with online is that it's more affordable for the majority of our, of our population. You know, personal training is a luxurious product. It is an expensive product. 
Mm-hmm. So online just opens up doors of possibility to a new market, to new people, and a new way of living life. You know, this this whole podcast is called The Fulfillment Project, which I, I absolutely love and adore. And I'd have to say that right now is the first time in my entire life when I am so fulfilled, it is insane. Mm. What does that, fe- what does that feel like? Why do you say that? Because I'm feeling fulfilled in all areas of my life. For the majority of my PT career, I was very unbalanced. Like it was all about work. Most of my focus was on building my one-on-one business. It was all about the client. And so if we were to look at the circle of life, right, my, re- my personal relationships suffered. My own um, sense of happiness was suffering because I was spending all the time in the gym. And that's not healthy. <laughs> it was a very unbalanced, unintegrated lifestyle, whereas now... I feel like I've got this integration perfectly between my own spirituality, um, my my own personal world, as well as the impact that I'm having on other people. And it feels expansive. That's my word of the year, expansive, and that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just feels awesome. It's a peaceful. I mean, I think, and I think this with every entrepreneur or starting your own business, you live in a state of anxiety. And anxiety is like, that's a delicate word that I'm using here. You live in a state of panic, anxiety, and questioning yourself for a few years. Like, oh my God. And it's just part of the journey. (laughs) Maybe that's why I feel so good now because I'm like, oh, I don't feel sick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and this is why Joe and I have, you know, really put this podcast together to give insight to people, no matter where you're, where they are on their journey, that it's a process and you, you, you know, you can make a lot of money in your business right away, but the learning experiences and the peace and the fulfillment, it's, it's a process and there is no shortcut to that. None. You, You got to do the time. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can. There's certain strategies I think that will give you quick wins, um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a culmination of hard work, grit, persistence, and just putting doing the work. You mm-hmm. can, you can't shortcut that. Mm-hmm. And even you know, we have this online space, which is absolutely brilliant, and and we have so many more options. But an online business is an online business and there are learning experiences there. And you're actually probably lucky that you got me for this interview and not Joe, cause he's very old school. He, it's not that he doesn't like the online world, but he is, he wants to drive to your house and have dinner and shake your hand and, and make that connection that way. Um, yep. but I love that we have like video platform where we can actually feel like we're yes. a bit more connected with people. Facebook lives are, are really coming up the ranks, Facebook groups, getting people into small communities. And I think the people who can sort of blend old school and new school yeah. will really, really have the, those big wins in their business. So that's where I'm at now. And I, I call it the hybrid, right? You know, being that hybrid person, the majority of the women I work with are hybrids because they absolutely adore one-on-one face-to-face, right? They love it. But mm. at the same time, they understand that they want to have it, be able to have, um, create more revenue streams. They want to be able to impact other people in different areas. And so they're kind of straddling both worlds and they're doing it very well. And going back to that connection thing, I think one thing that women do exceptionally well is when they've got groups, they create this amazing engagement, mm-hmm. right? And I, that's why I think women need to spend a lot more time going, like women trainers need to go down that avenue because that's their wheelhouse, yeah. right? If you're a female trainer, know what your wheelhouse is, know where your strengths lie. And for us, it's connection. Well, as human beings, that's what we want. We want connection and you know, we can think that we're all connected through social media or emailing clients or have those points of contact, but contact is not connection. Correct. Yes, Mm. absolutely. So, I mean, you have a program that's launching soon. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So it's the second launch. So, um, it's called the female health and performance, uh, coaching certification. And I do believe it's the, it's kind of the first certificate of this kind in Australasia. Um, And it really came about last year when I was just tired of seeing women clients get broken by their PTs. And the reason being that up to this point in time, the industry has largely said, you need to train women in exactly the same way that you train men. Mm. Okay. Now, 
This is a very tricky area because this topic tends to trigger a lot of people. So here's what I'm saying is that women and men are equal, but we're different. And if we keep training women as if they're just small men with breasts, we're doing them a complete disservice. We have our hormonal profile create so many different differences, nuances within our bodies that if we are ignoring them, we're not bringing out the best in our female clients. And so my, my course is about how to understand women, their hormonal profile and the effect that that has on their psychology and, and physiology across all the ages from the 20s right up to the, um, you know, the 80s and 90s. And how as a trainer, you can best manipulate your training protocols to bring out the best of them in each of those different ages. So yeah, I was like, right, I'm going to write what I wish I had. <laughs> that's beautiful. I mean, that's, I that's how new things are innovated, right? You see a, a missing gap in the market. And now you're saying yeah. this is your second launch. How has yeah. this uh, program been perceived so far? Oh, amazing. So I, I launched it last year, just kind of on the sly. I sold it out. Um, I didn't even launch it to the public. It was just kind of on in my list and the feedback on it has been amazing. So I've just got to clean it up a little bit now, um, add some more bits and pieces, and then I'm going to relaunch it again as an online, maybe the next couple of months. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm really proud of it. I think anytime you do like a certificate, of course, it just brings up your anxiety. <laughs> because it's kind of like holy shit this is out there what are people gonna think I'm I'm really making a claim on certain philosophies how is this going to be received so and I'll, I'll admit this like I'm still going through that process of working through that as well but as you said you know we, we kind of go through those moments of living anxiety and living like holy moly um as well as excitement so what uh what are some things that you do to perhaps silence that anxiety or that, that voice in your head that, because at starting something new or launching something new, it comes back to that voice of, am I ready for this? Am I good yeah. enough? <laughs> totally. What will they say? Um, hmm. Acknowledging it, I think is the first place. I used to try and ignore it and stuff it down. That never worked. So now it's a case of, okay, cool. I hear your anxiety. I see you. I know you're freaking out up there. This is okay. So I kind of just, you're always going to have and experience these so-called, I'll put it in bunny ears, negative emotions, but they're not. These emotions are here just to try and keep you safe. And I can just acknowledge it, see it for, for what it is. And so I breathe into it. I hear you and I'll move forward regardless. Because here's the thing. Remember at the start, you asked me what I think about when I'm talking about branding and I said, understanding my why and my vision, because my why and my vision is so strong that the pull towards it overrides any negative, scary feelings that I have. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, so I have so much conviction around what I'm doing. So I go forward anyways. Um, if it's getting really bad, I have my, my inner circle of people that I go to and I talk it out hey, this is what I'm feeling. Can, can you talk me off the ledge? <laughs> yeah. Can you give me some insight? Can you help me out? And I've got two guys that we, we meet once a, week, uh, once a month and they are brilliant. In fact, it was them last year who said to me, Nads, you need to stand up and claim your space. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Sometimes we need to be told and that's, that's fine. So having a great support network is important. Mm -hmm. And then the third strategy is just I, I do a lot of journaling, a lot of self-reflection and trying to get to the, the bottom of why I experience these feelings. And then lastly, wine. <laughs> <laughs> Numb it out and just make yourself feel better. Sure, have a couple of glasses of wine and then post. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's interesting because I look back on you know, everything that I've launched or anything that I've created. You never feel ready. There's never oh, that no, moment no, where you're like, Yes, I am 100% ready for this and I can take it all <laughs> on. <laughs> it doesn't happen. And yeah. I, I see a lot of people spend months or years festering over something or contemplating something or gathering things to launch something. And it's like, just, just do it. Just, just do it. Honestly, if you're waiting till you're ready, you're waiting too long. And you've got to learn in this the way that the pace moves, you need to learn to launch before you're ready. 
right? I've had friends who've started at the same time going into this online space who have spent years and thousands of dollars getting the font right on their website, getting the color scheme perfect for a launch. I'm like, you're wasting time. Mm. And they still haven't done it. So, you know, the only way you're going to learn about how to do a launch or how to create a product is to do one, get it out there, get feedback, change it up. Yeah. Perfect it as you go. It's it's interesting. Awesome. Joe and I are always like, is this a great idea? Yeah, we can do it. Sure. Let's throw it an opt-in page or a sales page. Yes. I'm like, okay, now we need to create. <laughs> it's out Same, there. Yeah. It's out there. <laughs> I think, I think that's beautiful, right? A lot of the most successful entrepreneurs I know do what you just said. And I do the same thing. I put myself on the hook. I announce it to the world. Hey, this is coming. See what the interest is. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to write it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I write in real, like the first time I do any product, I write it in real time. So as long as I'm half a step ahead of someone, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Which means you get to change it in real time. And that's invaluable. Yeah. And I think it's great if we have an idea or something excites us and you can't get it out of your head, there's a reason why that you're being pulled towards that. So you have okay. to start taking action, taking action. Hmm. I'm in the process of, uh, do you know what Ted talks are? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's TEDx talks and I've, I don't know how I got on this one gentleman's email list. And this is the second email I've gotten from him in three months about uh, a list of dates coming up for TED talks. And I've, I love them. I listen to them all the time and I'm like, I want to do one. And I, <gasps> and I know. And then this anxiety comes up and I said to Joe, I'm like, I think I'm going to apply. And it's one of these things where I'm scared shitless about it, but it excites me. And I'm like, I just need to apply. I just need to like put in the application and do it. You so do. And I think what what you're saying to the world when you commit to these scary things is that you are ready to receive bigger things in your life. It's growth. Yes. It's growth. Right? And, oh, God, I just got goosebumps listening to that. I'm like, yes, do it. <laughs> keep us keep us in the loop. Yes. It's, it's Yeah, it's one of those things where you're never going to be ready for something. And if you want growth, which we all should if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, your business won't grow unless you grow. And you challenge yourself and you realize that those scary things just really aren't so scary. Not at all. I mean, I've been presenting now almost 10 years. And I remember the first time I got on stage and presented, it was a horrific experience for me. Mm, yes. This is at Finex, one of the biggest um, Australasian conference, fitness conferences in the world. And um, I got on stage and I was off the side of the stage, dry reaching as I watched everyone file in. And I got up on stage and I would love to say it was one of those movie moments where I was absolutely amazing and I had a standing ovation and people just loved me and threw flowers at me. It did not happen that way. I got on stage. I was awful. I couldn't speak. There were gaps, not because I was being dramatic, but because I had no idea what I was saying. Um, People were getting up and walking out and I buckled. I came off that stage and I cried, 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 cried. And I was like, I can't do this. As traumatic as that experience was, I'm glad I went through it because look at me now. I Here I am 10 years later presenting internationally and being very comfortable being on a stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you don't start, you just you, you don't know what you're limiting yourself in. And there's something about presenting as well that just sets you to a whole other level with your audience. You know, you become that influencer when people are listening to you or you can show that social proof on social media through photos or through videos. It just increases the stock of your brand so much more. It does. I mean, it's a great platform. I I love it. But here's the thing. I like getting on stage and presenting and I'm going to say I'm good at presenting, but I still feel sick every single time I get on stage. Right. And so for me, that's a, um, a sign that I'm, you know, that's my calling because I'd be worried if I didn't feel a little bit anxious or a little bit sick. And the reason I know this is a good thing for me is because I really care about what I'm about to say. Mm. So I tune in. If I don't care about what I'm about to say, if I'm just talking about say fat loss, which bores me to tears, I don't, I'm not emotionally invested in it and I can just talk about it, but I don't really care about it. And that comes across. But when I'm talking about female personal training empowerment or training women, I get real anxious. I get really visceral. I'm like, ah, that's because I care about this. Mm -hmm. So keep going down that path. And you can tell Mm -hmm. when someone's passionate about something and it truly just, it just flows out of them. 
Yes. 100%. Yes. How often do you present nowadays or per year? Do you... It depends on the season. So um, this 2018, I am purposefully having an easier presenting season. Um, like the last four years have just been mental presenting in Australia, New Zealand, and in the States as well, going backwards and forwards. And then I run my own in-house workshops and presentations as well. So this year I, I only want to do maybe two or three big ones because they are exhausting. <laughs> you know, when you go to a conference, it's it's on the whole time. And I'm also an introvert as well. So they take a lot out of me. So this year I'm, I'll do Filex, which is just my favorite. It's like going home to present there. Um, I'll apply for a couple of ones in New Zealand and, and Canada. And, and that's it this year. I'm just going to give myself a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you view presenting business-wise or, or brand-wise? Do you purposely speak out presenting for a specific reason? Hmm. I will do now, I think. I mean, like in the last couple of years at uh, fitness conferences, I have always talked about training women differently. So it's a natural progression that I wrote the certification and that I've kind of shifted my brand. I think that's really sneaky. The universe was trying to tell me something and I was ignoring it for so many years. <laughs> you can only ignore it for so long. <laughs> exactly. But hey, no. Um, and so, yeah, now I think why I'm giving myself a break is so I can practice discernment around the context of which I'm showing up, what what um, conferences I'm showing up as and how, what I want to present to them as well. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I think it's important to, as an entrepreneur, when you're going all in on your business and it's consuming to give yourself some downtime, right? At the end of this travel last year, I recognized that I just needed to stop. Like I couldn't sustain that pace. There are people out there like Gary V who just thrive on the grind, thrive on one, you know, going a hundred miles per hour every single day. But I've recognized for me, to be effective as Nadia Norman, this entrepreneur, I need a lot of space. I need a lot of rest. I if think, I don't get it, I can't perform. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned that you're an introvert as well. And that's like, Joe thrives off chaos. He thrives on a connection with a lot of people. He can book like <sighs> 10 phone calls and, and four podcast episodes and just be like talking with people and going places all day long. That burns me out. I have to be very careful of my boundaries because... I, I can't show up as my best, most authentic self with my energy if I am placing my myself in, in too many areas. So, so I'm, and I think to recognize that is a powerful thing. Not, not many women can recognize when their boundaries are being trod on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, you, if you're burnt out, if you're tired, if you feel like you're not even recognizing yourself anymore, that's a massive sign that you need to step back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah, going back to your question about the presenting thing, I am being a lot more, you know, discerned around what and when I present. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing we're presenting too, I mean, I think it's fantastic if people can really step into that. We have to realize that we do a lot of things for free in our business and, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, we can't expect to really be paid for presenting, but your return on investment for that from a from a positioning standpoint or from the business that it could bring in, it far outweighs perhaps being paid for your hour on stage. Oh, absolutely. And I think when you're first starting out in your business, just get in front of as many people as you possibly can. Just do it. Because there could be somebody in that audience who hasn't paid to come see you, but they have a friend who's looking for someone who wants your message and they'll connect you. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I agree with you totally here that it's a beautiful way of brand ex- uh, getting brand exposure um, and also getting your message out there. And it's fun. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really, it really grows yourself. I've really only been doing public speaking for the past three years now. And I remember I had scheduled this, uh, conference with women and it was all set up and people were actually going to pay to come see me and I canceled it. I chickened out. I, I backed out. I, I fed into my fear, but then a couple months later I got into presenting and I just kept doing it over and over again in smaller groups and, and grew it into, um, a classroom size. And now 
I love it and I thrive off it as well. But I'm like you, I, I get nervous every time I'm about to speak or you question, am I going to remember things and am I going to be liked or are they really going to intake this information? But if you're passionate and you're speaking about something that you just need to get out into the world, you, you will step past that fear. And, and people love that. They see that mm. as well. And, again, I think even with presenting, there's certain expectations. Like if you pay to go watch Anthony Robbins, you know what level you to expect, right? There's a certain standard. But I think with fitness people as well, because more fitness professionals are, are branching off into this, the same transparency is coming through. The audience doesn't want to see a very clean and polished keynote, Right. I mean, people want to see people, they're connecting to that person who's up on stage. And actually one of the things that when I first started, I was very hyper aware of with me is I have this tendency to make up words all the time, like constantly make up words that just do not exist. (laughs) And I still do it. And I was so embarrassed by that because here I am a professional speaker who can't even use the dictionary words. And now I just build it in. I'm like, guys, can somebody take count of how many words I make up in this presentation? Because I guarantee you I'm going to get more than five. And you just kind of own your quirkiness with it as well. And that's that transparency piece coming through again. I love that. Love that. Absolutely. And we're in a day and age now where you can be as weird and out there as you Uh, possibly want. And people dig it. Like we don't want clean and polished people anymore. Well, yeah, that's like 1980s motivational kind of styles. But yeah, we want real. People want real. Yeah, I think that's something for everyone to take away from today. Be real. Be real. You know, you look at the way social media is going, reality shows everywhere. We just, we want real. We want authentic. I love it. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your time. I always end these interviews with one last question. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to go back to your 25-year-old self, what would you want her to know? I want her to know that she can and she needs to start now. Mm. Like, don't wait. Don't wait for permission from somebody else to say, hey, you're good enough, you're smart enough, um, you're savvy enough. Um, just just don't wait to make sure that everything is perfect or that the stars are aligned. Just start. I lost so much time, so much time being unsure of myself and waiting for permission. So I'm giving this to everyone out there right now. I give you permission, not that you need my permission, but I give you permission to just start, try, go, Mm. action. I love that. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your time and for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I think it's such a treat that all of your listeners get to tune into you guys. This is such a beautiful project. Mm, Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am Sarah.Fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 